Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and thank you so much to Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center on 51st Street and 5th Ave. Thank you so much for sponsoring and producing my podcast. Y'all are the bomb.com. You can follow them on Instagram, Rockefeller Center, or Twitter, Rock Center NYC. Philippians 4 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, it's no secret that I struggle with anxiety. I've talked about it pretty much since day one on my blog, on therefinedwoman.com. I did a whole mental health May series where I talked a ton about anxiety, which we will put in the show notes here. But... I honestly didn't really ever start experiencing anxiety until midway through living in New York. And I did anything and everything to really get tools to support my body, my mind, my adrenals to really support the anxiety. And I've had seasons where it's been totally anxiety free. And then when I'm in a tough spot or I'm moving through grief or things are feeling like massively transitional or I don't know, we are in a global pandemic and we don't know when or how or if it's ever going to end, anxiety can kind of rear its head in my life. And it's reared its head again in my life this fall. And whenever it does, it feels like such an assault on my mind and body. I'm like, I've already been through this. I have worked through this. I have the tools. I've done the prayers. I mean, if I had a nickel for how many people have given me that Philippians 4, 6 verse as an antidote to my anxiety, I would be, well, I would at least have a dollar for sure. I don't know if I'd be a rich person, but I would definitely have at least a dollar. And I'll be honest that when I start struggling with anxiety or nervousness or hypervigilance or feeling hyper alert, I feel like a failure. And I also resent that I struggle with this, which, you know, makes it worse. (laughs) 
I resent how anxiety and fear can take me away from being present from the moment at hand. I resent how I can just start to flow into obsessing over my thoughts or obsessing over worst case scenario, future events that have never happened before and will probably never happen. And I really resent how it can feel in my body and feel lightheaded. I can't sit still. I feel like my brain is on like pins and needles and feel lightheaded. It's it just really sucky. The physical symptoms suck. I feel like I can be just crawling in my skin. And recently I've had a couple experiences that definitely aren't anxiety. Like I didn't have an anxiety attack, but I was at brunch with a friend and one of my best friends. And I was, I couldn't sit still for the freaking life of me. I just felt super hypervigilant, super high alert, very nervous. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to feel like a crazy person. And that's what anxiety does. And then recently I was going to shoot a wedding and I was in the car on the way to the wedding with a big group of people because it was a whole weekend thing. And we're in the car ride and I'm starting to feel a little anxious, feeling oh my gosh, I feel trapped in this car. When am I going to be able to get out of this car? Am I safe in this car? And then I had just a really hard time shooting the wedding. It was the first wedding that I'd shot since the pandemic. And I just felt nervous. Nervous partly because I haven't shot a wedding in a really long time. Nervous because the first time I ever experienced a panic attack was at a wedding. And I just found myself at this wedding ceremony recently and the ceremony is about to start. And I mean, my brain chatter is screaming. What if this happens? What if this happens? Oh my gosh, what if your camera breaks? What if you faint? What if all this thing, the the runaway train of thoughts, it was a wild, wild west in my brain. My mind was really loud. And I was just in this moment where I was like, man, what do I do? And I just stayed in it. I moved through it and I was fine. (laughs) I was actually safe. And I think when I look back on any time, whether it's insecurity or fear or anxiety or hypervigilance, what I find is that my body and myself, I am actually way more resilient than I think I am. I actually can feel really uncomfortable I can feel really intense physical symptoms. I can feel really hard feelings and very strong feelings and be okay. I can be safe. But what happens is when those feelings come up, like any human, what do we want? We want to be comfortable. (laughs) We want to feel good. We want to have peace. I want to be like Zen and Namaste all the time. And so when any sort of discomfort comes, what do I want to do? I want to run. What do you want to do? When you feel discomfort, where do you want to go? What do you want to do to pacify, to fix, to save, to divert the discomfort? What if we could, I could learn to not resent the discomfort, but lean in and trust that my body's resilient and I can feel uncomfortable things. I can feel pain. I can feel grief. I can feel nervousness. I can even feel anxiety and I can still be safe and at home in my body. So I was having a therapy session 
And my therapist is amazing. He basically gave me the, a sermon. And then he was like, I feel like I should be a pastor. <laughs> and I was like, you totally should. He's like, this should be a sermon. And I said, well, I can share it on my podcast. And he was like, cool. <laughs> so what I'm about to share with you is not original thoughts from my own head, but thoughts from my incredible therapist, Sam. And I was telling him how activated I have felt recently in this fall. And there's a lot going on personally in my life, a lot of transition. There's a lot of painful stuff coming up in my family right now that I'm not really at liberty to talk about publicly, but it's activated me feeling really out of control in a lot of areas and me just feeling on high alert a lot. And so when you're already high alert, any normal stressor can feel way more stressful. And so I explained to my therapist, yeah, I like had brunch with my friend and I was like freaking out. And then I'm freaking out in this car ride to the wedding. And then I'm shooting the wedding freaking out. And I was like, I'm exhausted by myself. I'm exhausted by my brain. And he gave me the verse that it's the last thing I want to hear. He said, well, do you know Philippians 4, 6? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I just roll my eyes at him like, yes, I have heard that verse before. And it reminds me of that TikTok that has been going around. And it's this girl and she's like, oh, my gosh. So I struggle with anxiety and a person came up to me and they said, just relax. And that's it. My decade long with struggle with anxiety is over. I'm healed. I just needed to relax. Like who knew? Like that to me feels like what my relationship with that verse has felt like. And he said, I'm going to tell you something about those verses. He says, a lot of the standard translations of scripture have the beginning of that verse now to say, do not be anxious. But we actually miss some of the original content of what the invitation in that verse actually is. The King James Version says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And he said, the Greek there for careful, be careful for nothing, means to be distracted to the point of separation. Now, anxiety, fear, stress separates you from yourself. Why? How? Well, anxiety, fear, stress removes me from the present and gets me to obsess about the future. So what happens? I'm obsessing about the future. I have been removed from the present. So I have gotten out of my body. I am beside myself. People will say, oh man, I was beside myself. I was so upset or I felt so out of body. I need, I need to figure out how to feel grounded again. So do not be anxious be careful for nothing means to be distracted to the point of separation. The goal is to get back into yourself, back in your body. And so the very beginning of the verse is saying, hey, be on guard so that you don't allow yourself to get so distracted by the future, by worst case scenarios that you then become separated from yourself. 
Like with the addict, the moment to focus on isn't necessarily the relapse, but the runway that led them there. The 10 steps before that you took that led you down the path towards relapse, whether that's relapse with a substance or relapse of fear or insecurity or believing lies for yourself. So be careful for nothing. First, I had to ask myself, what has been my runway to put me in a position where fear is close to my door, where anxiety is able to knock right in? What window in my house is open that anxiety is able to come right in? I look back at the last few weeks of my life. Not only is there the the stress and the grief of stuff unfolding in my family, I haven't been meal prepping as much as I usually do. I've had caffeine a few times in the last few weeks. And if you know me, you know that I gave up caffeine because I struggle with, with anxiety. I've had less alone time, less time with Jesus. I haven't moved my body as consistently. So things that normally wouldn't trigger me are activating anxiety because there's already all these things that are kind of creating the perfect storm to have my body be put on high alert. So look back on your last few weeks, your last month, your last three months. What's the moment that you're in right now that you do not want to be in? Maybe the thing to focus on isn't necessarily the moment that you're in right now. What are the steps you took 10 steps ago that got you to where you are today? Part of my process of be careful for nothing is to pause and notice, well, how did I get here? And how can I be extra kind and caring of myself, of my body, of my surroundings? And then the text says, but I love a good, but be careful for nothing. So be on guard so that you don't allow yourself to get so distracted by yourself that then you become separated by yourself. Be careful for nothing, but. But is where the answer comes. It's where the help comes in. It's an invitation that says, instead of doing that, try this. So instead of being the annoying TikTok, that's like, just relax. Like, thank God that God doesn't give advice like that. It's like, okay, be careful for nothing, but try this instead. And I think what is so beautiful and also frustrating about scripture is that there'll be these verses that are so jam-packed with meaning that we miss because we're reading them so fast or we just don't know Greek or Hebrew. I mean, I was a Bible major and I, I still don't know Greek or Hebrew. But the but is important. Whenever you see a but, pay attention. I was going to say something inappropriate, but I didn't. But now I mentioned it. So now you can just think about it. <laughs> so it says, but in everything, four things. It says, try these four things. The four things are prayer, ask, thank, request. Let's just go through those a little bit. Prayer. Dear God. Hi, God. That's what that means. What happens in anxiety and fear is that we have become separated from ourselves, God, and others. Prayer reconnects you with yourself and with God. It interrupts the disconnection. It reminds me I'm not alone. It reminds me it's not all up to me. In fact, this is an active way to take your thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 15 says to take your thoughts captive. Guess what? Taking your thoughts captive is freaking hard. 
man, I wrote in my journal this morning, I feel like taking your thoughts captive is a freaking battle and it's hard and I have to be on alert because before I know it, I can easily start into the runaway train of thoughts or worst case scenarios or what if this doesn't happen or what if this is going to happen or what if I get sick? What if I get COVID? What if this happens? What if I can't have babies? What if I never have sex? Whatever it is, prayer is the interruption. Oh yeah, I don't have to do this alone. Oh yeah, the invitation of Jesus isn't to buck up and get over it. It's actually to let go of the back-breaking load. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The God invitation isn't to do more or less of anything. Don't be stressed. Don't be afraid. Don't think about that person. Don't date that person. No, the invitation of God is to release, to surrender, to allow yourself to be taken care of because you are safe. I love Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. The invitation isn't to do more and know who God is. It's be still and know that I am God. To be where you be and be connected to yourself, your body, your spirit, and to be with God. Prayer is the thing that gets us back to that place. So when everything pray, hey, God, I'm freaking out right now. (laughs) And then the next thing in the text says supplication. And everything with prayer and supplication. What the heck is supplication? I don't use the word supplicate on a daily basis or yearly basis or lifely basis. A supplication is an emergent prayer or an emergency prayer. It's a dear God help. It's I need you. And one thing I think is so interesting, if we look at the 12 steps, really most 12 steps have a similar format. The AA 12 steps say, number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. So this is kind of uh, reminiscent of Philippians 4, 6. Like first, I have realized I am disconnected from myself. And because of that, I've become separated. I've become so distracted to the point of separation that my life has become unmanageable in some way. So it's a don't do X, but pray. And then number two of the 12 steps is I came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore our sanity. That's where the supplicate. God, help me. Hey, God, I need you to help me. And then number three in the 12 Steps program is to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I recently had a friend from high school who was a pastor and secretly struggled with alcoholism and died out of the blue. No one really knew that she struggled except her parents, who were the head pastors of this big mega church in Texas. And they ended up talking about it and sharing her story. And one of the one of the things that was really powerful about what they said is they said, you know, AA and 12-step programs are 
something that every single human needs. Like, in fact, they said if every single human went through a 12 step program, like we'd all be better humans. And I totally agree with that. I've done 12 step programs. What I found so interesting is as I was going through this Philippians 4, 6, all I kept thinking about were the 12 steps. Like, be careful not. So first I've become separated. And then I came to believe a power greater than myself could restore my sanity. I prayed, dear God. And then I made a decision to turn my will and life over to the care of God. And that which is the supplication, God help me. So that's supplication. And then the scripture says, in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. I can't really say something fancy about the Greek here. Thanksgiving is thanking God for things in the past and things yet to come. It is speaking possibility and abundance over your future. It's thanking in advance for something that hasn't even happened because that's what faith is. Faith is leaning into the unseen. Dread is leaning into the unseen worst case possibilities. Faith is leaning into the unseen realities of hope and abundance and possibility. Fear focuses on worst case scenario. Gratitude focuses on the reality that with God, anything is possible. Gratitude reorients my heart from focusing on doom to possibility. Gratitude reminds me that God has shown up for me before and by God, God can do it again. I love Habakkuk 3, 2. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In fear and dread and anxiety and hopelessness, remember hope. Remember possibility. Remember what God did in the past and thank him for it and then ask him to do it again. Which leads to the final the number four part of this verse requests, make your requests known. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The emphasis on request. I love this. The Greek is, it's a polite demand for something due to you. Like when you get a reminder to pay your credit card bill, like they ask you nicely Like they're reminding you when it's due, it's due on this day, but it's really not a request. It's a polite demand. You have to pay the bill. I have to pay the bill or I'm going to be charged. And so I love that the request here isn't, oh God, just do this thing for me. Basically what is implicit here is that the person making the requests knows that they actually have access to the person they're asking the thing of. And they know that it is within their right to get it. It's a polite demand. Pay your credit card bill. Please pay your credit card bill on time. And when my therapist told me that, I thought, oh man, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I'm going to God with entitlement, but really it's going to God knowing who you are knowing I'm not a piece of crap, knowing I am so worthy and I have such access to God that I can literally ask anything. So here's how this can look. If you are in a moment of fear or anxiety or like me, I'm shooting another wedding (laughs) and I want a tool in my tool belt. Well, I want to practice Philippians 4, 6. Here's how that can look. Dear God, hey God, help me. 
thank you for helping me in the past. And I thank you in advance because I know you're going to help me again. That's who you are. Now, please give me peace in my body. That's what that can look like. Part of what we're doing, and this is part of taking our thoughts captive, is we are rewiring our neural pathways in our brain when we come in disagreement with fear, with anxiety, and when we come into agreement with a new reality. All right, just because I was stressed before, just because I was afraid before, just because I believed this lie about me before doesn't mean I have to believe it again. I have the opportunity to rewrite the script at any point because I have the capacity within me to take my thoughts captive because I have the capacity within me to politely demand that my situation change. And I have access to have tools to show up differently. That rewires our brain. I think that is so fascinating. I love when science and faith just collide like that. One of my favorite things about this verse isn't just this verse. It's the verse immediately following it. Philippians 4, 7 says, After these things, be careful not in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace here in the Greek means to make one, to make whole, to be put back together. Because what happened in verse six, be careful not, be careful, be on guard not to be so distracted that you become separated from yourself. So what does peace do? Peace puts us back together. It gets me back into my body from being disassociated, from being beside myself, from feeling the physical symptoms of anxiety, peace makes me one. It reorients me with God, myself, and others. So be careful for nothing. Pray, ask, thank, politely demand, and then peace is yours. Then you'll go from separation back to connection, self, God, and others. I don't know about you, but this felt like really good news to me and really beautiful news to me when I'm in a moment of disconnection. I actually can pause, invite God into the moment that God is already in because God is already always with us. I can ask for help and then I can express gratitude for my past and my future, and then politely demand and experience peace. Peace is your portion. Peace is your legacy. Even right now, I speak peace over your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. You know, sometimes I come in to record and I have this mega plan actually had two other episodes I was going to record. And then about an hour before this episode, I thought, actually, this is what I need to talk about. And it was one of just those internal nudges, those God nudges. So I'm just trusting that you or someone listening to this needed to hear this. I needed to hear it. Maybe I gave this message today because I needed to freaking hear it. 
I just want you to know that I see you. I hear you. I speak peace and blessing over your life. And I'm so grateful that you're on this journey with me, with us at the Refined Collective. And obviously a conversation around fear, mental health, insecurity, anxiety, stress, whatever you want to call it is ongoing. So if you struggle like me, welcome to the club. Welcome to being human. And please, please reach out to me. Slide into the DMs over at the Refined Collective or the Refined Woman. Let me know how you're doing. And until next time, talk to you soon. 